0: Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling along with many others that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on The Ledge of Web3. Welcome everyone to another episode of The Ledge. This week I'm here with a legendary artist, Michael Hofka from Brooklyn, New York. Michael, welcome to the show, man.
1: Hey, Chris, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: It's, uh, it's an honor to have you on here, man. I, uh, I'm a fan of yours and uh, followed you a little bit over the years. I, I know who you are and uh, I'm really excited to talk to you today. So I, I really
1: appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate that. I listened to your show and it's awesome to be here. It's an honor, actually, frankly.
0: Michael, I like to ask everybody, just start the same. Say your name, your age. If you're if you're comfortable with that? Where you're from and where do you live?
1: Yeah, hell yeah, I'm 69 69 in web three. I mean, <laughs> I only get this chance, I should shout it a lot 69 69 going to 420. <laughs>
0: <laughs> if only I had you on a few days ago, we would have made it to 420 69 on 420.
1: That's right. <laughs> So I'm Michael Hafka. I'm an artist. Uh, I grew up in New York City, in the Bronx, and in Brooklyn. I currently live in Brooklyn. I've lived in Brooklyn. I've traveled around the world, but I've lived in Brooklyn all my life, and I'm currently here.
0: Wow. 69, living in New York. You're a New Yorker all the way back. So I guess you've seen New York change a
1: lot. Yeah. New York's an incredible place. It always is. You got to roll with the punches. It's always getting better, and it's always a party town, and I love it. What
0: was your family like? What was your family background like growing up in New York?
1: Um, My parents were immigrants. My parents were both Holocaust survivors. So um, I don't know that the New York environment was actually the most important thing to talk about my parents, Hmm. but they were people that had seen... World War II in the worst possible way that left an indelible impression on them. They were incredibly grateful to come to America, and they loved America, and they brought me up with that awareness and understanding, and a pretty grim understanding of human nature and an awareness of a lot of faults of humankind because of the Holocaust, and uh, that impacted my work, of course and my understanding of everything.
0: Wow. That's a, that's a, that's an incredible story that you grew up with two parents who were Holocaust survivors. That's kind of incredible. What's that like as a kid to to grow up in a, in a family with people that have been through what they went through?
1: Well, the worst that could happen happened to them. So, um, in, in, in many, in, on such a gigantic level, their, their whole families were destroyed and perished and Brutal ways, of course. Um, And uh, they were persecuted for their religion. They were Jewish. And uh, so that left a lasting impression and a love of freedom and a desire to, uh, you know, look at the world and try to figure out how to make it better. Uh, In my case, that I, I believe that art, my, you know, my mother brought me up looking at a lot of art and culture and the best of humankind. So uh, I was, uh, I think from a very early age, it was very important for me to create art with a real understanding that it offers people a way to be as good as possible.
0: Did you have any kind of art education? What was your education like?
1: Well, I didn't actually, I'm a high school dropout. I graduated high school, but barely. And I, I didn't go to college So my education, I'm self-taught in art, but I also want to give credit to my mother. And and that also has to do with New York City. There are many opportunities in New York City to see great art. So she took me to museums all the time, to theater all the time. She was very, very um, interested in in that kind of thing. And so that made a, a strong impression on me. As far as school goes... I, I wasn't really into it. I was kind of uh, typically in my own desires to have freedom. You know, it was the end of the '60s, beginning of the '70s when I, I graduated um, high school, and you know, my chief influence was Henry Miller, and and the the you know, in terms of writing, in terms of freedom, and 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 feeling the desire to create, and also. Uh, you know that was the '60s. It was all about tune in, turn on, and drop out, and right. that suited me <laughs> fine. So, you know, real, for yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I was that. so I felt very much in in my time. What, what drew you to
0: the art world? Did you, was anybody in your family artistic, like what, either one of your parents or any of your siblings or
1: anything? No, well, they didn't have the opportunity. You know, they, they just worked really hard. So they didn't really have the opportunity. My mother was very interested in art. And uh, I understood that, you know, I had relatives, of course, who died that uh, on my mother's side, that was a painter. Um, So, you know, there was art in my family, uh, poetry, music, art, but none of them survived. So what drew me really into it, uh, coming of age in in the late 60s, early 70s, was just the incredible energy in the art that I saw, which was rock and roll. And uh, so, a lot of modern art, but the freedom and the the sort of burst of energy in rock and roll really made an incredible. uh, It gave me courage. It frankly, it was exciting. Uh, It was a very. It was full of experimentation. There was, you know, the experimentation of psychedelics. There was the experiment sexual revolution. It was all wrapped up into a kind of tremendous energy. And, you know, and of course, in music, there was, you know, the ethos of, you know, everything from Jimi Hendrix to Bob Dylan, you know, to the Rolling Stones, the Beatles, all that stuff, you know, propelled me forward to uh, just be myself and express the deepest side of myself. When did you discover that you were an artist? Uh, I was 20 years old. I, I always thought I was an artist. I, I don't really quite know how that works. I, I had this idea that I was, but, you know, and I tried many things. I tried to, to dabble in photography, dabble in uh, cinematography. You know, that was working with a lot of people, and I, that didn't suit me well. I tried writing, and I was just way too self-conscious to write. Everything came out very stilted. And even if I could come up with something quasi-literary, I was just imitating. So that really didn't suit me. And then uh, I, I started having the I started becoming very, very aware, probably through my interest in psychology, which was just, you know, a, a young man's interest in trying to figure himself out. I started being really very conscious of my dreams. And dreams are just phenomenally powerful. And 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 sometimes the dreams were, you know, related to outside, you know, simple things. Like just seeing the movie Dirty Harry made an insane impression on me. You know, you see this movie, Clint Eastwood enters your psyche. You have this powerful dream. Yeah. And, you know, I started turning that into art. I started you know, uh, somehow trying to draw from that powerful feeling that I had that was all wrapped up in my insides.
0: What was your medium of choice?
1: It was painting. It was anything, uh, like any form of paint suited me fine. I, I tried everything. I experimented with everything. I still do, you know, which brings me to Web3. It was it was an easy transition for me to go to digital. Um, right. You know, and explore that because, as far as I'm concerned, any medium is great.
0: Yeah, any medium that uh, allows you to express the thing that you're trying to express, I guess. Right? Yeah,
1: absolutely, yeah. absolutely. So you're
0: growing up in New York. Your mom's like heavily uh, into the art and 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 educating you about art, taking you around. Did you have any uh, interactions or contact with any of the like great artists of New York?
1: Uh. At- and not really. I mean, I did in the sense of going to museums and seeing a lot of great art. It, it There was a, Isaac Sawyer lived around the corner from me, but yeah. we never talked about art. I'd see him all the time. And I and I love his paintings and I love Raphael Sawyer, his brother. And they were twins and their faces are indelibly etched in me. I'd see him all the time. But on the, on the other hand, Sugar A. Robinson lived uh, next door and you know, I should have become a boxer, you know. Right? <laughs> he was a strong, he was a big influence because he was so incredible and yeah. amazing. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, with art, you distill everything. It isn't so much, uh, you know, later on, you know, years later, I met Francis Bacon and that was, you know, incredible. Talking to Bill de Kooning was really something else. And, you know, but, but I already was an artist at that point. And uh, so I already was, you know, painting and showing. And so it was different. But as a child, I didn't meet any, uh, any great artists.
0: You've had quite a career and you have art in some uh, pretty distinguished places. You want to tell us a few places where you have art?
1: Sure. I have art and I have about 100 pieces in museums all over the world. So the Museum of Modern Art, the Metropolitan uh, the Carnegie Institute, uh, San Francisco Museum of Modern Art, Museum of Fine Arts in Houston, Texas. A lot of really great. I'm, I'm fortunate to be in really some of the best collections in the world, and uh, I'm very grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I think that's incredible, and it uh, speaks to you know the fact that you're you're a legendary and great artist. <laughs> I think. Thank yeah, you. awesome, man. What was the first thing you ever created in your life? that you could remember that you could call
1: art uh you know it was before i was a painter and i was experimenting with you know uh i don't i i wouldn't i don't even know if i should call it sculpture uh i i tried painting i was always just playing around so the first thing was taking a telephone. Uh, a, a desk telephone, old fashioned telephone, and taking a blowtorch to it, <laughs> and actually melting the plastic and fucking it up, and and imprinting a little piece of brass in it, and you know that was the first thing that I really, uh and I actually I turned an image of that, I still have it, and I turned an image of that into an NFT. At, one point
0: so So you have the image of that do you still have the physical uh, yeah
1: i do have the physical i still have the physical. oh wow it was a very meaningful moment for me and uh you know so i i kept it i kept peace and i and i used it all the time for many many years i mean now we don't have telephones anymore you know we've got cell phones but you know for the longest time when there were telephones i i'd hook it up every now and then it's and it worked.
0: So, how does an artist such as yourself, that has all these, uh, you know, all these pieces of art and fine art galleries and museums all over the world, find his way from the traditional art world into this uh, this crazy Web three digital world? That uh, we're in?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's fun and it's an adventure, but actually, so that's the, that's the simple answer. It's fun. It's an adventure. I saw yeah. it and I thought, "Fuck it, let's go," you know, and. <laughs> It just seemed exciting. But the 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 complex side of that is that y- years and years ago in the in the 90s, I have three grown children now. Right. And so when I had my kids, you know, in the 90s, when computers were first starting, you know, everybody I knew nothing about computers and everybody would say to any parent, you know, you got to show your kids because you got to get a computer for your kids. You got to show them computers. It's the way of the future. It's. You know, it was, it was like a cliche, you know, everybody said it. So I went out and I, and I, I didn't knew nothing. So I bought a, a an Apple performer at Staples simply because it came in one box and all the parts were there. Cause I had no idea, you know, you didn't know you need a monitor, a keyboard, a mouse. So, and then I brought it home to the kids and, you know, started just fucking around with it. This was before it was even hooked up to the internet you know, and there, there were like, uh, you know, ways to do digital art. And I started doing digital art. And so did my kids. You do know, remember what year we're talking about here? Yeah, 93. 1993. 93. Okay. Right on. Yeah, yeah. So I was just so psyched. And, you know, and I even published a small book of digital paintings And I tried to start showing digital art. I said, wow, this is incredible. This is the fucking future. This is amazing. No one was interested. Like, no one. People would just, like, look at me and say, what are you, nuts? This is just, what is this? It's not real, you know? So, I, I, you know, I I did a lot of it. I really, really dug it. I was into it, but there was no outlet for it. So I kind of just dropped it, you know? And I did it for a few years you know, along with everything, because I I like all mediums. And, uh, you know, and then I dropped it and I kind of left it, you know, on the side. Never, never thought about it again. And then when I heard about NFTs, I thought, hell, that's it. I'm, you know, I'm ready, you know. So, I mean, I I love the idea. It's incredible. And it's not, you know, I think it should, uh, I'm a little surprised that so many artists are against it. I mean, that just blows my mind, because I've talked to lots of my friends that are traditional painters and a lot of traditional painters, and they have tremendous resistance to it. Um, I think, you know, for me, there was no real learning curve. I mean, there's there's a little bit of a learning curve. You, you, you hear about like a MetaMask wallet. You don't know what that is, but it's not that complicated. So... You know, so you pick it up very fast. So a lot of artists get very uh, stymied about how to onboard and it seems a little weird to them. And maybe that's the obstacle. But for me, there weren't any obstacles. And I just completely thought this was the way to go.
0: Do you remember what triggered uh, that like what triggered in your head like that this even existed? You remember what it was that you saw that?
1: Brought well, it to you, you, know, you know, running it it you your consciousness like NFTs. Yeah, well, it was all the bad press. You know, every now and then you hear about like yeah. scammy NFTs. I mean, there were so many articles. I mean, NFTs have gotten a lot of press, and a lot of it is really terrible. But yeah. like, it's, it's, it's. You know, you. I mean, uh, at sixty nine, you don't really believe press. You know, you just always, <laughs> just always look at it and go, "What the fuck?" You know, yeah. So, it was, it was pretty easy. I mean, you know, uh, I mean, there's a similar thing going on today about AI, you know, everybody's talking about like artificial intelligence, like it's going to kill us tomorrow, you know? (laughs) And, you know, I mean, yeah. Who, who buys into that? You know? I don't
0: know, man. I, I love AI. I've been playing around with it since it came out. I'm, uh, I'm actually a huge fan of, like, Mid Journey and, like, the. have
1: you used any of that at all? No, I haven't used it yet. I'm excited to. I will. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. I know that. I know that. You know, I was looking at Claire Silver's work, and it's really, really beautiful. And a lot of it, I was thinking, sort of looks like some of my dark paintings from the 80s, you know? So, like, I love, you know, I'd love to explore it. What do what people, what what do you refer to in the art world? Like, what's your style? Well, you know, I just call myself an expressionist, although, you know, there's a category, and this also has to do with Web 3. There's a category that I'm always slotted into. It's called neo-expressionism. Okay. And that's the cat, and, and I came up with the same time as Keith Haring and Jean-Michel Basquiat and... And, and Eric Fischl and Schnabel and Sally and all those guys. And none of those guys ca- got together and made up that term. That term was constructed really by PR. No one, I don't know the origin of that term. So it's it's kind of an interesting thing. And the reason I say this points also to Web3 is that one of the really cool things about Web in Web3 is that it's run by artists. I mean, what artists say about themselves is what artists say about themselves. And there's you talk to artists and artists talk to you and artists talk to collectors. There's no intermediary that's really kind of the dealer or the PR man.
0: What do you say that like the neo-expressionism of Web3 is called? I think anything that they call glitch art now kind of falls into that, like neo-expressionism
1: bucket, you know? Right. Well, you know, they put it in that bucket, but I don't know that, I don't know who they is. I mean, yeah. You see <laughs> yeah glitch is Yeah, Glitch, I think, stands in its own category. And, I, you know, and I know some really great Glitch artists, and I've used Glitch occasionally, but glitching myself. However, I think it, if you think about Glitch art, it does it a disservice to call it neo-expressionist. And I think it does... You know, neo-expressionism is kind of a, a made-up weird term that no artists created. So, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm not so sure it applies to anybody, really.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great perspective. And if anybody's got uh the credentials to talk about it, I would say it's you. <laughs> what do you? What was the first thing that you created in uh, in the Web3 space? Do you, what was your genesis NFT? Uh,
1: my genesis NFT. Um, is is a beautiful piece i really really love it uh it's a beautiful piece that is kind of a tribute to i forgot the exact title but it's a kind of a tribute to a model that worked with me in the 90s her name is yasko uh yasko hasagawa and she now lives in japan but she was my model for two years and um so and and it's it's I now I remember the title. It's funny. I had to say her name. It's called the monk's daughter. And actually she was a monk's daughter. So, uh, and she grew up in a temple and, um, it was, we got very close in the sense of, I drew her in many, many different ways. Um, so it was a very, um, in-depth, uh, collaboration of sorts. Uh, she, Put her all into it, and I painted her and drew her many times. So my first work was actually taking images of her, adapting them, adding music that my wife and I created. We have a band called Feeding Goats, and uh, so we put it together with music. So one of the very and that was my genesis piece. And I was what's what's so exciting to me at that moment uh, of getting into Web three was that I could take older work of mine, uh, rework it, change it in a meaningful way, add music if I want, add motion, add animation, and then turn it into something completely new. So it truly was a meaningful genesis for me. Where did you mint that? Do you remember what platform you well, had? Yeah, Yeah, it, actually it's an interesting story because I knew nothing. I minted it on Rareable, so that's soft minting. And it was bought immediately uh, by uh, a friend of mine who's a, a great person in Web3. His name is Slowheed. He, him and his wife, Mary Macker, who's, who's also an artist, they were following me on Instagram, and uh, they knew my music, they knew my art, and they just bought it instantly, which was amazing. So we minted it on Rarible, but then as time went on, I realized that i it would be better for them and better for me if it's on my own contract so we burned it and then reminted it on my own contract on manifold so um you know so that brings up whole issues of um i guess you know the date on the blockchain however it's all documented and this is my genesis piece
0: yeah no I mean uh, yeah you can see where you, you can see it all because it's in the blockchain.
1: right yeah. yeah
0: how hard was it for you to onboard yourself to be able to speak fluently about blockchain crypto wallets minting you know how did how did you teach yourself how to do all of that or did someone help you did you how did you learn it
1: well you know my wife and I just started doing it together Okay. and uh, it you know. It's just a slow process of observation. You know, uh, it's, it, you know, and I say this because, you know, there's probably people listening that just want to get into it, want it on board. And maybe it seems very confusing at first. And maybe, you know, when somebody says, well, the blockchain is just a ledger. That seems like confusing if you're used to, uh, you know, an Excel spreadsheet or a, a paper ledger but it's not that complicated. So after a while, we figured it out. Now, this brings me back to Slowheed. So Slowheed bought this first piece of mine, and then I'm starting to figure stuff out. And I had a really wonderful conversation with Slowheed. I've never met Slowheed in real life. Um, so on Twitter, you know, I was very confused about many, many different things. And I remember Slow Heat saying to me, and this was really original. I never I never could fathom it in the brick-and-mortar art world. Slow Heat said to me, you know, Michael, this is really a community, and I have found that if you just talk to people and ask them, they're all going to help you. And that blew my mind. I mean, it just really blew my mind because, you know, the the brick-and-mortar art world is not like that, and it's very competitive, But I started living that way, and my community on Twitter just started growing. Did you have a Twitter presence before that, or did had had you been on Twitter? Yeah, I'd been on Twitter, but I hardly ever used it. Like, in fact, I really kind of disliked it because you come on and you see all this political shit, and you know. (laughs) Yeah, and, and, and it was just, you know, awful. And so I never used it. I, I, I did use social media. I used Facebook for a while and then I grew to hate it and, and just got out. And I used Instagram a lot. But of course, I grew to hate it because Instagram's Facebook and it totally tries to c- control you and its algorithm is just negative. And, you know, so I dislike it. I still... You know, I have a lot of followers on Instagram, so I post there every now and then. But I don't follow anybody on Instagram and I don't use Instagram at all. But coming into uh, Web3, and I'm not saying Twitter's perfect or Twitter's great. In fact, who cares? It is the town square where people are getting together and it is a community community. And I've met so many cool people and talked to them and then met them in real life sometimes, like during NFT New York. So, you know, this, you know, Slowhe just, you know, just said this to me and I went with it. And actually every step of the way in getting into Web3, many people have been insanely helpful to me right to this very day. You know, today, you know, I'm a member of the Tungsten Dow. And uh I asked a question of all my uh friends in there, the, the other members, some collectors, some artists, and you know, they 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 helped me out. I think people are incredibly helpful in this ecosystem. Yeah, I
0: had the same uh experience, man. I never heard of NFTs until Beeple had that like legendary sale and at Christie's, the $69 million yeah. sale. 69, there we go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, at that time, like, I didn't even have a Twitter. Like, I didn't know anything about, it. you know, I knew Twitter. I'd been on it before, but I just didn't keep up with it.
1: Yeah. So to come
0: on the Twitter and then have the experience that you're describing where you find yourself in this community of online. It's like an online community. But then you start connect, making these real life connections with all these people and you come to find out like, man, like some of my best friends I met on Twitter now, you know, like a couple years later. It's crazy,
1: right? Absolutely. It was amazing. Yeah. You know what? I'll give you another, I'll tell you another story of my experience on Twitter, you know, uh, with NFTs is like, you know, at that time, foundation was the kind of the, you know, you, you couldn't get on super rare. That was that was like, it looked like, you know, that was somewhere on Mount Olympus. You, there's no point even applying, you know? Right. So, so foundation was exclusive and there was no way on, but I knew I had to be on foundation. And, you know, I, I, I kept, I applied, I looked, and, you know, nothing happened. It was frustrating. So I just tweeted one day, I said, you know, uh, I would like to put my art on foundation. If anybody can give me an invitation, take a look at my art and see if you feel I'm worthy. Give me an invitation. So I'd like an invitation. So the ne- very next day, uh, somebody who's really well known in this community, Jack NFT, who's now a very close friend of mine. He messaged me and he said, "Sir, I have an invitation for you." And oh, I wow. said, to him, "I mean, it was incredible." And I said to him, "I said, Jack, well, I i owe you something. What do I owe you?" And he said, "You don't owe me anything, sir." And you know, and then it, he went on to explain to me how contracts work. He explained, you know a ton of crap to me in one day. I mean, it was just totally generous, totally friendly. And, you know, and he he actually, at that moment, was doing his MetaMask piece. Uh, he was going, it was his genesis on Super Rare. And, you know, I got very excited and did a derivative of it. And we really formed a friendship right then and there. And it was just based on, you know, the ethics of this community is just very beautiful.
0: Oh, that's a good, that's a great story, man. And uh, I think a lot of people have had very similar experiences. It's just, it is a great community. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Don't don't you also agree, maybe you'll agree with this, is that, you know, it, it puts con- in contact the collectors with the artists, which I don't think is so
1: in the traditional art world, right? Absolutely. That's phenomenal. That's totally needed that is one of the most important factors of this ecosystem it you know it can't i can't stress that enough in the brick and mortar art world the middlemen always try to keep you away from the collectors they always try to keep the collectors away from the artist because the goal is to support their gallery not to support an artist collectors are often very, very curious and interested in the art and the galleries don't care. They only care about making a sale. In Web3, this is an incredible phenomenon. People reach out to me, collect my work, ask me about my work. It is just beautiful and rewarding. And frankly, aside from the fact that you're selling work directly to collectors, it just makes you feel incredibly good about your work. Because people are actually interested in the art, you know, and, you know, and, you know, there's another side of it, too, for the collectors in the brick and mortar art world, collectors buy stuff, and they have no liquidity, they have like no liquidity, it's like, you know, there's a real up and down to to life, there's up and down to financial life, there's an up and down to what you like. You might like some, you know, I, I, I buy a Rolling Stones album one day, love it. Three years later, maybe I don't care about it. Same with art. So liquidity is built in. The possibility of liquidity is built into Web3. So this is a huge plus for collectors that like enables them to support more artists. In Web 2, it's completely nonsensical. It's the opposite. There's no liquidity. There's no reason to support artists. Artists are struggling to get past the gatekeepers. The gatekeepers want them to do the only thing that they can sell. They're not interested in the art at all. It's, a, it's an atrocious situation. Web 3 fixes all of that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
0: I'm, that's why I'm gung-ho. You know yeah, you're, you're really you know and you're, you're really well spoken about it actually you could be a spokesman for this whole thing you know you have a very good way of of describing it that i I feel like uh, that people can listen to this and really understand
1: well i I think the reason is is I have so much experience in web two in the brick and mortar art world and a lot of that is positive experience i don't I, I want people to understand. You know, I've done very, very well and I've been incredibly lucky, but I've also had to struggle. Now, I'm not complaining about that because I've done really phenomenally well, but I've seen artists get crushed by this system. And and the fact that I've done well is because I can adapt to, you know, a situation that's actually, frankly, not artistic. Like, I don't care if I'm dealing with an art dealer who doesn't care about my work. I couldn't care less. That happens to be my secret power emotionally. Some people really, really care. I know. Right. <laughs> but it's much better in Web3 where people care about your art. For sure.
0: How's your sales been since you started as uh, an NFT artist?
1: Have you done well with your sales? I've done very, I've done very, very well. Um, and, and part of that, that's another reason, you know, I everything I've done has been in the bear market. So yeah. I've done phenomenally well. Now, part of that reason also has to do with why Web3 is so phenomenal and so cool. So, let's say I want to sell a large painting of mine in a gallery. Now, that's going to cost $55,000, you know, that's not even the largest. And and those are paintings I've sold, $55,000 in a gallery. Now, that means that very few people can really buy, you know, $55,000 is a lot of money in my book and everybody's book. And, you know, it's hard to walk down the street and just go in a store and buy something for $55,000. But in Web 3, you could fractionalize the painting, you could create it into an addition, and there's no middleman. So 50% right away has gotten knocked off because in the Web 2 world, the gallery takes 50%. You know, so it's, a you know, there's so many ways you can work the mechanics in Web3 to make it possible for you to gain support that I just think it's beautiful for artists all over the world.
0: You did mention that we are in a bear market and NFT sales seem to be very low right now, but I still see um, some pretty impressive sales in like the the. The art, not not take the PFPs and the board apes and everything out of the mix, right? Well, the, the artists, I've seen some pretty impressive sales. Yeah, me too.
1: The- me, me too, and I've had some imp- very impressive sales during the bear market, big sales, little sales. But you know, and and I've and then there are artists that are way way bigger, you know, they're in this ecosystem than like I am. So and and but they've already laid the groundwork so there's no you know they they deserve the big sales cuz they've laid, they've created a foundation they have a support network that loves their work so i you know i don't think you know in, in all art markets there's always ups and downs you know and so getting fixated on the notion that this is a bear market is kind of the defeatist attitude it's a lower market than when it's a higher market. You got to roll with the punches.
0: Yeah, that's true. And it's, you know, for every time there's a bear market, there's a bull market right behind it, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really feel, and one of the greatest assets of artists is that they can adapt. So I try to adapt to every situation, figure out how to go and just keep going. Yeah, it's a great positive attitude. Do you collect? Are you yeah, a I do. yeah, I do. Actually, I do. Um, you know, I, I, didn't collect much in the physical world, in the, in the world of physicals. Um, and, and one of the reasons for that is it takes up a lot of room, you know, sure. <laughs> when you make, when you make physicals, you run out of space very quickly. You start <laughs> renting storage space. You've got more storage space. So physicals weren't very convenient, but in the, uh, NFT world, it's really an incredible thrill. And and I I like to support uh, young artists, unknown artists, uh, and I don't mean I support them out of any sense of charity because I only buy art I like. I do not – I don't buy people because I feel sorry for them. I don't encourage that at all. I don't look at somebody and say, well, this guy hasn't made a sale. Poor guy. Let, Let me buy something. I buy art that I like. There's a lot of art out there. It's interesting. It's phenomenal. Uh, so I try to support young artists. Good. Good for you. You're talking about collecting physical art. It always makes me think
0: about uh, that Herb and, Herb and Dorothy Vogel. You know, they yeah, had like yeah. a priceless art collection, but they didn't have anywhere to put it because they lived in a little rent-controlled apartment, so they
1: just yep. shoved it under the bed. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they were very active during my time actually you know, yeah yeah i don't know why it made me think of them but
0: uh you know you th- i just think about like all this like priceless artworks just shoved in the closet and under. yeah the bed. it's
1: very hard I, I i i've sold to collectors I, I know collectors who have a lot of art in their closets yeah and you know, a lot of my art has gone straight from you know a collector comes to my studio looks at a painting buys it and it goes right to their warehouse so uh you know that's another thing I, I really love about Web three. You can look at the art.
0: How do you collect? How do you connect to your collectors now in Web three?
1: How, do, how does that work? In they form? reach out to me. You know, it's it's a phenomenal. It's really just phenomenal. I mean, uh, they reach out to me. They just like message me on Twitter. You know, sometimes they buy a work and reach out to me. Sometimes they they haven't bought anything and reach out to me. You know, it's just a very open you know, scene. It's a lot of fun. You know, it's incredible.
0: I did find you very accessible. You were very easy to, to reach when I invited you on the podcast. Thanks. And I, I will say that's not the case for everybody. It's, some people are very hard to reach. Right, right. <laughs> I've tried to get a lot of artists on here that just won't return messages. Won't You know, their DMs are closed. They don't return emails. It's really hard to talk to some people.
1: I think maybe sometimes approach their friends. I, you know, I I like being very open. Yeah, uh, I like I like people, and I'm interested in art, and I like hearing what people have to say. Uh, so you know, that's that's just me. I can understand some people are reticent, um, you know, to have their DMs open, perhaps. But you know, it's still a very open community. You know, you could always do what I did with. Uh, you know, foundation. Just tweet. I'd like to talk to. Uh, you know, I'd like to have Alpha Centauri on my program, and maybe he'll answer you. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe I should try that. <laughs> he's, a, he's a very open guy. He's a very I'd nice. I'd love to have him
0: on here, actually.
1: Yeah. He's. A, you really ought to. He's an extraordinary guy. He's a very open guy. He's uh, super bright, super bright, and super helpful. You know, I love
0: talking to smart, interesting people—that's why I do this podcast. It gives me—he's very
1: smart—a lot, lot of joy
0: in life is uh, just talking to interesting people. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, I enjoyed meeting him. So he's super bright. You'd like him, and uh, so here's a plug for him. Come on the All show. Right.
0: This is—we're gonna—we're gonna make—we're gonna, make, gonna manifest this. <laughs> right. But thank you. Let me ask you this: I'm I'm interested in the mechanics of your process. You know, like where where does an art project start? How do you develop it? Um, how do you see it to fruition and then delivered to a customer? Can you walk me through your process?
1: Yeah, well, there's you're talking about two separate things: the creation of the work, yeah, and then you know, how do I get it to the customer? You know, um, <clears throat> so first of all, in the first part, the creation of the work, I never think about the customer or getting it to the customer. It's it's actually irrelevant. And I create way more work than I put up for sale, and um, you know, I'm I'm just very interested in creating. I do it all the time. I do it every night. I'm always painting every day. And so, do you work in a studio?
0: I'm sorry to interrupt you, but do you have a studio or do you? Yeah, you do I do have a lot?
1: studio. Yeah. yeah, I have a studio, yeah. and and it's 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 very big. So I have a lot a, a lot of space to work on many mediums at once if I want to. You know, I have a printing press and I've got different types of uh, setups for encaustic painting, oil painting, watercolor painting, drawing, digital painting. So, you know, all of that. So I, 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 my, and the reason for that is so I could be free. So whatever I feel like I want to start, I just go for it and I just go do it. Now, um, once the work is done once the, the and I, I generally work on one piece at a time so once that work is done you know then comes a long period of time of living with it thinking about it and uh, you know it just has to last and it, it has to make sense to me and be powerful to me not just on the day I finished it but later on and so at some point I will think about well, do I want to put this work in a show, in a gallery? Do I want to mint this work and put it up for sale? Uh, and, and then all the questions come up. Do I want to make it an addition? Do I want to make it a one-one? And, you know, or do I want to combine it? Is it, a, is it a physical and an NFT? So all of those are just considerations. They're, they're not artistic considerations. They're a consideration of how I want to present the work it's, I fairly, I pretty much use common sense, you know, and it's not a, you know, it's not, you know, it's not rocket science, you know, and, um, you know, I've got a community of uh, collectors that have uh, bought a token of mine called the bull token, which I present work to them at a very reasonable price pretty much every month. And, and, and them and only them, there's 24 of them. And the reason for that is I, I keep my, uh, uh, my community very, very tight. Uh, I can keep the prices low. And I pretty much focus on getting my work out to them. Uh, you know, beyond that, it gets on the secondary market. I sometimes do sell one ones. That has nothing to do with the bull token. But, you know, when the market's tight or bad, I, I won't produce as many one ones, ones and, and as I say, again, it's all common sense. It's not rocket science.
0: How do you uh, curate or manage this community of bull token holders? Do you have like a Discord group or do you have a television? No, I, I,
1: I don't. I, you know, several people have offered to start a Discord for me. And, uh, I, you know, I just don't do that. And I don't want anybody else really doing it because I principally want to focus on creating. So I don't I have interaction with everybody uh, through Twitter or, you know, messaging me or, or, or any which way. And and we you know, everyone's friendly. I don't spend a lot of time um, chatting because my focus is on making my work. And so that's why I just don't want to do Discord. I'm not against it for other people. It just, I see that a lot of artists work hard being on Discord and Twitter all day long. And I just don't have the time I want to focus on, on painting and drawing. You know, I, I find that the collectors, especially, you know, especially the ones that have uh, supported me through the bull token, they just appreciate that. They don't expect me to message them every day. Uh, and and I don't shill to them, you know, um, you know, it, it's a pretty simple thing. Uh, I try to make work that is meaningful to me. And I've gotten incredible messages from back, from them of how meaningful the work is to them. Um, You know, recently one, one uh, very, I don't want to name who it is. uh, uh, Somebody who collects my work had a a really serious problem in his family. uh, And one of my pieces really addressed something very close to that. Uh, It was a very tragic situation. Uh, but my piece gave them some solace and and real, um, you know, feeling of being understood. And that wasn't something I, I just made that work. It, it, it's a work of human drama and human emotion. So when this person talked to me about that, that was the greatest thing I could hear, that my work was really emotionally meaningful to them in a time of real, Tragic need.
0: I'd, I'd have to say that that's probably got to be the most satisfying thing an artist could hope for. I
1: guess absolutely, really is having your work have meaning for others is really what I live for. What are you saying in your art?
0: What are you? What are you trying to say to the world? Do you have like a, a common theme or something that you're
1: trying to express I
0: think, to the I world? Think
1: you, I, for me, I think it's all about human emotions. Where, you know, if you think about that we live in an emotional universe uh, and that we all have an emotional life, then all the barriers between us disappear. There's really no difference, you know, there are difference, there are differences in situations, but there's no difference between me and you and me and her. you know, all the barriers, whether it's race, religion, sexuality, it makes no difference. We're all, feeling people with love with hate with uh you know anger with uh you know just problems and anxieties and desires to feel good you know so that makes it you know my my theme is human nature
0: yeah it's really uh yeah i love i love the way you just expressed that thanks Hafka let me ask you this you you mentioned that um you know that you have this studio and you have all these different mediums that you work with paint and all these different things let's just focus solely on the digital uh, sure what are the tools that you use to create
1: digital artwork how do you how does that work what do you use okay to, that's yeah. a great that's a great question so in the, in the past when i first started years ago i used the wacom tablet And Photoshop and an application called Painter, which was eventually bought by Corel. Now, um, a lot of artists get great results with that. And, um, you know, I personally don't do that anymore. Uh, I've had uh, quite a bit of difficulty. I've tried out the Wacom and some others uh, registering, getting the pen perfect on that. So I've pretty much started using more or less only Procreate on an on an Apple iPad, uh, Apple iPad Pro because there's more memory, and I and I just get it maxed out and Procreate in an Apple pencil because the Apple pen or pencil, whatever they call it, is like the best. Um, I many times will then take it into my computer and use Photoshop or Premiere if I'm, uh, uh, if I'm animating, or I'll animate and procreate too. So principally, I'm using, um, you know, procreate, although there are many, you know, standard tools in procreate. And if you want to go outside of the standard, you start using Photoshop, because you have to kind of create your own thing. So principally, those, that's the way I'll work. Uh, Now, that being said, I'm really curious about the new Wacom. I'm probably going to try it because the main problem I feel is that the Apple iPad, the largest one, which is 12 inches, uh, is just too small. I would love if Apple would come out with a 22 by 30 inch iPad. I don't know if that's going to happen. But supposedly there's some talk that one day there'll be a 14 inch. I'll be online. I'll be the first to buy
0: it. I feel like there's probably a, a huge market for something larger like that from Apple. And uh, I, I love that you're talking about Procreate. I am no artist at all. I have no real artistic ability, although I love art and art. I love creating things. And that's principally what I use myself. I love my iPad Pro and right. Procreate. Um, you know, my my recent like stuff that I've been working on is like, Pulling things out of AI, creating, using prompts in AI to create things and then making little GIFs and animations and procreate. That's cool. I love doing that. It's a great uh, way to just chill, you know? Yeah. People, I I think people don't appreciate how powerful of a tool that procreate and I have. Yeah, it's amazing.
1: Yeah, incredible. Really, really is amazing. And, you know, when I said that, being said, when I said that a lot of the tools are standardized, you can modify them. So yeah. that's not really a problem at all. Yeah. I, lo- I, I really love Procreate and I love the iPad. Um, it's an incredible tool. Yeah, there's a world of
0: infinite possibilities when it comes yeah, to art. absolutely.
1: And that that's another thing about Web3 that I think is important for me to say that, you know, being a physical artist, I've been very, very lucky, but at the same time, you know, it, in order to do that, I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars over the years on materials. Come now, <laughs> that limits who's going to be able to be an artist. And now in Web3, anyone anywhere in the world who can just get an iPad and an Apple pencil and procreate, which costs 15 bucks, will be have a chance to have their art anywhere in the world. I think this is a massive revolution. It's a renaissance. It's incredible. You know, there are artists in Indonesia, you know, just in the backwoods of Kentucky, let's say, anywhere. Anyone can be an artist. You don't really need to have a big New York studio.
0: I love that you mentioned the word renaissance. Do you, can you expound on that a little
1: bit? Do you see that this no. is a digital renaissance? Do you feel that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't stress that enough. This is a renaissance, and the reason it's a renaissance is because of the influx of many artists all over the world, all communicating at once. It's a huge artistic community. It also has eliminated the middleman for the most part. Now, I mean, there are some attempts at that in Web3. That's fine. If people want to work with middlemen, there's nothing wrong with that. But principally, it's a decentralized ecosystem. And that really adds up to an artistic renaissance.
0: What do you think we should call it?
1: <laughs> uh, give it a name. <laughs> you know, right now, I'm fine with Web3. So I, I just don't you know. know.
0: I know. But you know, there's like people, a lot of people say Web3. A lot of people say, you know, the NFT, just call it NFTs, which I feel is like very broad. Yeah.
1: Well, um, NFT is. Yeah, I heard I've been
0: using. Ex- I've been using. I've been using the crypto art, yeah. Scene or crypto art revolution. I guess you know.
1: Yeah. As, I, as you know that's different. fine. That's fine with me. I think the reason I don't say NFTs, w- the reason I wouldn't say that is it. You know, non fungible token is kind of a very dry expression. You know, it's just not that.
0: Yeah. yeah. You no,
1: know, it's just you know nothing, uh, and then. The, and I and I like crypto, and I'm in. I'm a crypto artist. However, when you say crypto to anybody, including one of my children, they right away immediately think it's scammy. It's like gambling. Like, what the hell's going on? True. You know, it's for drug dealers. You know, it's the the dark web. People are going to shoot you. You're going to be sold into slavery. So you know, the word crypto just like just always adds that element to it. So I don't really know. It is an art revolution. It is an art art renaissance. Uh, you know, I'm going to leave it to other people more literary than me to come up with the term. Uh, but, you know, I think it's incredible and beautiful. And as far as crypto is concerned, I'm on board. And I think crypto and decentralized money is great. I don't think it's a threat to the U.S. dollar. In fact, it's it's good. It's used all over the world. It's necessary all over the world. So why the hell not? I don't understand the political uh, shenanigans going on and the fear of crypto. It just makes no sense to me.
0: I think there's just a lot of people that don't really understand or they, you know, like you said, they have like all these preconceived ideas, you know, or preconceived prejudices, if you will, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I did myself for a long time. I remember yeah. one, of, one of my friends a long time ago tried to onboard me into Bitcoin and I was like, I'm not getting in my you know, like right. natural internet money. It's just, it didn't right. make sense. Right. but when I went down the rabbit hole and I started like to really explore it, it I have, sense. Yeah. yeah, man, I'm like you, I'm all in. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Makes sense. I think actually, you know, a lot of, you know, new things are just scary to people.
0: Yeah, definitely. What's your um, stance on this whole um, uh, royalties, NFT royalties, and you know these yeah. platforms that have been, you know,
1: withdrawing them and not not exercising the royalties of artists? Right. I'm glad you asked that. Uh, I think that's an insanely important thing to discuss. Uh, the royalties are phenomenally important. And one of the reasons they're phenomenally important is not just that the artists get supported, but it'll bring more artists into this ecosystem. We need more artists. We really, really need more artists. Artists are the foundation of the art world, you know, so we need more artists. In order to get more artists from the traditional art world, they have to understand that they can make money and they can make money in the secondary market, which you can't make in uh, the brick and mortar art world. Now, uh, the royalties, I, I think one has to be very sensible about royalties and I'm proposing, and I've proposed this publicly before, that royalties be paid by the person buying the work on secondary and only a percentage of the profit. So if you buy a piece for one ETH, but sell it for less, there are no royalties due. However, if you sell it for say one point five ETH, let's say that ten percent of that five ETH profit should go to the artist. Now, I I think that's a reasonable amount. It could even be five percent. I'm not stuck on the amount. And the reason I say it should be the person buying it is because that person is now uh, interested in you, willing to make the leap. And of course, the person selling it needs money and wants to get rid of it. So why burden them with royalties? So I think- That's sensible. (laughs) I think this is a discussion that needs to be made from top down, bottom up. Everyone needs to be talking about this because royalties will- Nurture the entire ecosystem. I had the sense in the last, you know, at the
0: end of the last bull run, when like, you know, there were just like some crazy sales, and artists were like, all these artists were really blowing up in the space of Web three. That like, artists could become like the rock stars of the future. You know, like almost well in this this art revolution. You know, like
1: yeah, you know, it looks that way during the you know bull market. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I don't know if that's a you know, good description. I, think I just been
0: dreaming a little bit,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, I, I don't really think it matters. I think artists are part of our culture. Right. Uh, musicians are are an important part of our culture. Artists are an important part of yeah. our culture. So I don't really focus on the huge big sales. You know, the big you. sales. You know, when you hear about like this guy, Beeple, whatever that name means, like everybody went, people, what the fuck is that? You know. And $69 million, that's a a very unusual situation, all power to him. That was really great. And it was great for the ecosystem, but you can't expect that for everyone. Uh, That was a very unique uh, vote of confidence, but it was a vote of confidence for digital art. So I think that's extraordinary. And I think it's really, really wonderful. But I think what's most important to focus on is most artists. All the artists, the artists that are struggling, the artists that don't have work for everybody, the artists that are not commonly loved by all of them. Let's create an ecosystem where artists with just 20 collectors can make a living.
0: Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, and yeah, you're right. I mean, not everybody's going to find the success that Beeple's had. And Beeple is a very, like, you know, special uh thing all on all on his own you know what he's doing is very unique what about ai let's talk about that we kind of touched on it for a minute how's your what's your take on ai how do you feel about people
1: using that to create art i you know i don't know enough yes that's that's the thing i don't know enough i haven't had time to explore it so uh i'm gung-ho to do it i i like there's nothing about it that i Heard that makes me say, "Oh, I don't want to touch this. I want to. I I just haven't had the time, so I I don't have any expertise in it. But I'm excited about it, and I'm ready to go." I've had a lot of
0: fun playing around with it. It's it's very interesting, you know. I mean, it helps me create things that I that I see in my head that I can't actually create by drawing them because I'm not that good at drawing. (laughs) That's awesome. You
1: know, I I mentioned before I met Claire Silver. She was really really nice. We had this really sweet conversation about yeah. art yeah. and i told her i love her art and you know at some point we, we discussed that we're going to experiment together and so you know in my mind i've just put it off well, i'm going to learn about it from her uh she really knows what she's doing so oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what i'm thinking nice yeah that's awesome. and you uh you
0: you get involved in in uh, these like nft new york art basil any the, like some of this stuff have you been in
1: yeah, I I got involved, you know, before that I didn't get involved in 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 the art Basel thing. You know, uh conventional art fairs of brick and mortar art, I've always hated. I've gone to them and I couldn't stand them. So, I and and then the pandemic came, so I didn't go to the Art Basel Miami for NFTs, but when NFT New York happened, uh last year I didn't att- attend because it was the pandemic was high and actually everybody I knew who did attend caught covid so yeah, a lot uh, of people got it i, I did <laughs> so this year i attended completely i went to a lot of different events i met a ton of people people came to my gallery and you know i had a, an, an incredible really wonderful time meeting people in real life that was a phenomenal uh you know just phenomenal just absolutely phenomenal it you know Bridging that gap from Twitter to real life really just blows my mind. Everybody was wonderful.
0: My wife and I went to uh, NFT New York last year and this year, and it's one of our, it's literally like one of our favorite things to do now.
1: Like, that's awesome.
0: That's awesome. Like, it's, it's like, it's it's great, you know? That's
1: cool. Well, that's that's great. Time.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to connect
1: with you. Yeah, well, next you. year. You're next year. Court. Yeah, Definitely for sure. Next year, I'm going to put up a show for it next year. She's nice. cool. That's yeah, great. I'm excited You're to see. How,
0: yeah, I would love that, and I'm excited to see what you come up with. That's uh, that's great. We're getting close to the top of the hour. Is there anything that uh, I haven't asked you about that you'd like to say about yourself, your life, your art?
1: Um, just that we love creating. We, I love NFTs. I love this ecosystem, and let's fucking go.
0: Let's fucking go, man. <laughs> thank you so much, Hofka, for coming on today and talking to me about your life, man. I, uh, I've i really enjoyed talking to you and hope
1: we can stay in touch. Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's really been a pleasure. Thank you, Chris.
0: Thank you all for listening to another episode of The Ledge. Michael Hofka, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm going to put a link to um, Hofka's website and the show notes below. If you like this show, please rate and review me on the platform of your choice. And I'll see you guys all out here again next week on The Ledge.